0: we do come to the time in our worship service in which we hear God's word and we invite you to remain standing as a way of honoring God's word. Our scripture today comes from Luke chapter 23 verses 32 through 47. Let's give our attention to the reading of God's holy word. Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who was hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the others rebuked him, saying, Do not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation, and we indeed justly For we are receiving the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, while the sun's light failed, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You all may be seated. Let us pray. And so, Lord, we do pray. We pray for your love, your goodness, your faithfulness. Would you teach us your ways? And, Lord, may you use this story, Lord, to show us your grace and your love and your kindness. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. People do what I say. It's kind of nice being in charge. You tell them to go, and they go. You tell them not to go, and they stop where they are. I oversee a hundred people. I'm a centurion. That's what that name means, overseeing a hundred soldiers. And so it's nice being in charge and it's nice being over all these people. Uh, And it's nice being a part of the Roman soldiers. Sometimes there'll be a group. We'll we'll all gather together. There'll be 2,000 of us, what we call a legion. And this is really our way of showing anybody who might come against us that it's foolish to come across against the powers that be. You may have heard this idea of the Pax Romana, the, the peace of Rome. And what that really means is that you can have just enough peace as long as you don't mess with us. We can be at peace, As long as you don't mess with us. And if you mess with us, then you get the cross. You know, in fact, uh, you know, you might have heard a little bit about crucifixions, but this was just a regular thing that we did. Um, And, you know, it wasn't on a hill far away, but instead the, the crucifixion was a public demonstration of how powerful we as Roman soldiers are and how powerful Rome is. And so as a centurion, I deal with crucifixion and death, and I get to mess with the worst of people all the time. Normally, we get murders, we get rapists, we get robbers. Every once in a while, we'll just get troublemakers, people who are, who are stirring up the, the status quo. But we deal with the worst of the worst. And we do it by the manner of crucifixion. I told you a little bit, you know, we don't want to do it on a hill far away. We want to do it where everybody can be seen and everybody can see. We want people to know that if you mess with Rome, this is what happens. Because uh, crucifixion exists to humiliate people, to make them suffer, and to spread fear across the land. We we strip them down so that they're up there and, and everybody can see. We want to humiliate them as much as humanly possible. We want them to suffer. I don't know if you know this about crucifixion. A lot of times people think it's their wounds in their hands or their feet where the nails went in that kills them. But but crucifixion is is a tough way to kill people. Because ultimately you don't die from those wounds. Instead you suffocate. Because what you have to do as you're hanging there on the cross is you have to pull your energy up so that you can get a deep breath. And as the day goes along, you become weaker and weaker, and eventually you just can't, and you suffocate, and that's how you die. If we wanted you to die quickly, there's lots of ways to do that. But we want you to suffer, and we want everybody to be afraid. We want people to know that you don't mess with Rome, so you better keep the peace where you are. And so week after week, this is my job to oversee crucifixions and keep the peace. And so it was another Friday for me. You all might call it a different day, but for me it began as another Friday. Actually, it began the the night before. We got word that um, we needed to arrest this person named Jesus. I I had heard a little bit about Jesus, but but not really much. I don't pay attention to a lot of those things. I have a hundred men to lead. I'm pretty busy. And so they go, and they say, you need to arrest this man, Jesus. And we say, okay. And, and there's a, a guy by the name of Judas who we meet. He's one of Jesus' uh, apprentices, one of Jesus' friends. And, and Judas was going to show us which one we needed to arrest. We didn't even know which one Jesus was unless somebody pointed him out to us. There's so many people and so many things just happening all the time. But all of a sudden, we needed to pay attention to this one. And so we, we go with Judas and he says, the one that I kiss is the one you need to arrest. And so exactly what he said happened. He went and, and he kissed this man and some of the soldiers went and arrested him. Now they, they said that, that one of Jesus's friends got a sword out and cut the ear off one of my soldiers and, and, and Jesus picked it up and, and put it back on. But that doesn't happen really, does it? I think somebody's just making up some sort of story. We, we take Jesus and we, we take him to the governor's office, a guy by the name of Pilate. Now, um, I, as, a, as a man who has authority, I, I tell people what to do and they do it, but also I'm a man under authority. And so if the governor says something, then we do what he says. I may not always be the biggest fan of Pilate, but don't tell him I said that, right? And so it, it is that we're just sort of hanging around and, and I hear some commotion. There's a crowd of people. And, 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 and it turns out that Pilate gives the, the Jewish people a, a choice. Now, now, the Jewish people had learned to not cause trouble. Their leaders did a good job of keeping their people under control, and they got to have their festivals and their holidays and all the things they normally would, would do, but they just knew that they weren't going to cause trouble. But apparently, this Jesus guy was a troublemaker. He was called the king of the Jews. Now, we know there is only one king and it sure isn't that guy we arrested. We know that there is only one king and it sure the heck isn't him. And so I imagine they wanted to get rid of him because there was peace going on and maybe this guy was stirring up some trouble. And so it is that um, Pilate gave the, the people a choice. There's this guy named Barabbas. Now, Barabbas was a bad guy. He had done lots of things. He said, I'll set free one of you. One of these guys, Barabbas, a notorious bad guy. For a long time, people known he'd been bad forever. Or Jesus, who you call King of the Jews. Barabbas had never been so popular in his whole life. As people said, we want him to be free. So he can steal from you again. So he can rape your wives again. So he can murder somebody again? That's what they wanted. And instead, Jesus was arrested. Now, we do what we do. And and being um, a soldier and being in charge of people, you know, you just kind of got to learn how to live with your weekly and daily life. And so weekly, we were beating people and we were whipping them. And they said, take it out on Jesus. And so we gave him the maximum amount of whipping and lashes that was possible. I mean, we really gave it to him because they said, take it out on him. We want him to die. We want him to suffer. We want him to be humiliated. We want everybody to be afraid. And so we whipped him. And we, we made a sign of, that we were going to put above the cross that said, king of the Jews. Just as a reminder that this is what happens to people who claim, claim to be kings. You die. You die. And also, you know, some of the guys were having some fun. It's kind of a, a sick way to have fun. But, but they took together, a, um, they made a crown of thorns. And they put that together because any king has to wear a crown, right? And, and, and they didn't just like sort of lightly place it on his head. But they pushed it on his head. And you saw the, the blood coming down his forehead, down his cheeks ripping off his chin. This is what Rome does when you mess with us. Part of the way we like to humiliate people is we like to make them carry their cross. Plus, kind of hard work. Those crosses are heavy. I sure am not going to carry it. And so we made Jesus carry his own cross. And as he, as he went up this hill, again, we wanted it to be in the most public of places. As we went up this hill, you could tell that his body had given out. He looked like he hadn't slept in days. He looked exhausted. The whippings and the, on his back, the blood on his face, and he just fell over. So we said, pick it up and go again. He picked it up and he went a little bit further and then he fell over again. Again, this happened. He got up and then he fell. So finally, we got tired of waiting. We got families and other things as well. We want to get home at some point in time. We made him. We found somebody else, and he carried the cross to that place on the hill. We were just outside the city gates, right in a place when everybody who would be coming to town or going from town, they would make sure that they would see this. This would be a part of your normal life, as you would walk down the road, and you'd see somebody being crucified. It was just another Friday for people. Just another reminder of what happens if you mess with Rome, if you mess with the power. And so what we did is we had Jesus and we had two other peoples, two people who certainly deserved to die. These criminals who were alongside him. And part of my job was to, was to hammer in the nails in them. Now when I when I got to, to Jesus and he was in the center, and I, I hammered in the nail on his hands. He squealed. Uh, It's not the best word, but there was just such a shriek of pain that he said. But he looked at me. I tried not to look at people when this happened. But he looked at me with eyes that were softer than I've ever seen before. There was something in his eyes that caught me off guard. I finished with that, and we hung him up on the cross, and our fun had only just begun. I mean, we've got to make the most of it while we're out there. Again, this is just part of our weekly life. And so what we do is we take their clothes and we play a little dice game to see who, who gets to keep their clothes. And, and we mock them. We want this to be a humiliating death. And so we, we say things to the people on the criminals. You're getting what you have always deserved. We're, we're torturing you as much as we can. We're, looking, we're causing them to experience not only the physical pain, but the emotional pain. We want them to suffer. And in fact, we mocked them. We we got some sour wine, and we were going to offer it to each of them. So I know they're thirsty as the sun pelts down on their head. Let's give them something to drink that isn't going to be good for them at all. Long live the king, am I right? Long live the king. But then Jesus said these words, and I wasn't sure what to do with it. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Now, most of the time when, when people are dying on a, on a cross, they, they're, they're one of two ways. Either they're really apologetic, thinking that we're going to take them down, which absolutely never happens. They, they say, I'm so sorry for what I did. I, I didn't mean to. I'll, I'll, I'll pay back whatever can happen. But that's one thing. Other people remain their innocence for as long as possible. It's amazing how many people are innocent on death row. And they're saying, I didn't do it. You got the wrong guy. But nobody has ever said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And I wondered, who, who are they? Are, are they his friend Judas? Is that who didn't know what, what he was doing when he, when he turned Jesus over to us? Is he the they that should be forgiven? Is it his other disciples? I heard he had 12 of them. I don't really see them around. Are they the ones who don't know what they're doing? Maybe it's Pilate who didn't know what he was doing when he said, crucify him. Or could it have been me? Did I know what I was doing when I nailed, when I put the nails in his arms and in his legs? Is it me? When he said, "Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do," could it be me? I walked around. Crucifixion takes some time. That's part of the design of it. We want to make them suffer, and and I talked to some people who were around. One of the person told me some of the stories about Jesus, how this man had done miracles. How that there were blind people and that then they could see. That there were deaf people and they could hear. A story um, about a a person who had been paralyzed for a long, long time. and, And Jesus said, get up and take up your mat and walk. And he did. And are those just stories? Or did it happen? There's even a story about he raised somebody from the dead. But that doesn't happen, does it? I looked over and I, I saw his, what I assume was his mom and some of her friends. Again, we're used to the tears at crucifixion. There's always a few people typically who are crying that somebody is dying. Even the worst of the people, their moms still love them. And here they are, they're crying and they're sad. I looked up at Jesus. His body oozed blood. But his spirit oozed something different. Something, only word I have for it is grace. What is it about that man? The criminals talked. They went back and forth. One of them, and you would expect this, said, hey, if you really are who they say you are, like, save yourself and then save us as well if you are the one who people said hosanna to hosanna means lord save us apparently that's what they were saying earlier in the week lord save us lord save us well why don't you save yourself and why don't you save us but the other criminal said do you not realize that this man is different he's unlike us we may deserve this but he certainly doesn't and then jesus said these words today you will be with me in paradise crucifixion is the opposite of paradise what did he mean by that what is paradise and how can it happen today maybe is he going to come off that cross is something about to happen there it was about noon on friday the sun was overhead and all of a sudden it got dark Now, I'm not talking just a little darkness. I'm talking about a deep, eerie darkness, the kind of darkness in which it just stops you in your tracks. All of us soldiers, we got ready because we didn't know what was happening, but it doesn't get dark at 12 o'clock. And so we were on alert, wondering what was going to happen. For a few hours, we did this. Now, one of the things, as I mentioned about the death of of crucifixion, is is they use their legs to kind of get up so that they can breathe. And so sometimes what we will do is we'll break their legs because we're ready to go home faster. We're ready for them to to, to get ready and die. And so we'll break their legs. And so we were getting closer to that point. But about three o'clock, all of a sudden, we hear these words. Into your hands I commit my spirit, and with that, like I had seen dozens of times before, somebody took their last breath, and their body just slumped, and that's what happened with Jesus. His body just slumped, and the earth quaked. Now, that gets you worried a little bit. What is going on? It surely didn't feel peaceful at that moment. Or it shouldn't have. But I experienced something I never expected, which I experienced peace. And it just so happened, and I just sort of blurted it out, I didn't even mean to. It just happened, I said, surely this man was innocent. Like, I I didn't even realize I was saying it until it was already out. And all of a sudden, I believed. He wasn't guilty. He was true. It was true. And I believed those stories. I don't know why and how I believed it, but I did, that blind people could see, that deaf people could hear, And even my soldier friend, I hadn't gotten to talk to him who lost his ear. Maybe his ear really is back on. And I experienced peace. We talked about the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome, which really was a peace that says, don't mess with anything and you guys can do your thing, but don't really mess with us. It wasn't true peace, but I experienced a lightness in the darkness. I experienced something unusual. In a time of fear, I should have been afraid. It was dark in the middle of the day. The earth had quaked. Something had just happened, but something had happened in me. And I knew that this man was innocent. And I praised God. See, we're supposed to only praise Caesar, we're only supposed to praise the king. But I praised God. This crucifixion was not just another Friday. For me, it was a good Friday. Because instead of it being humiliating and suffering and fear, all those things happened. But something happened in me as well. I experienced hope. I was humbled. And I was healed. For a long time, I carried this darkness with me. But there was light. We got word that the Roman officials and the Jewish leaders were afraid that somebody would try to steal this dead body and it was dead and they would would try to show that he had risen from the dead and and that that's what he proclaimed that he would do so we were entrusted with finding him a tomb and guarding the tomb and we were going to have a couple of people around it around the clock to make sure that nobody came and took Jesus's body and I wondered what would happen Could something happen? Could people be raised from the dead? Could Jesus be raised from the dead? It was already an unprecedented Friday. Could something different happen this weekend? So they laid him in the tomb, and my men would guard around the clock, I wonder what will happen, but I know one thing. This man is innocent, and this man is unlike any man I've ever seen before. I deal with death every day, and this was something ordinary about this death and extraordinary about it, and I just wonder what Sunday might bring.